This is the Book Riot Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And I'm Rebecca Shinsky. And it's part two of two of our semi-annual holiday... Well, I guess it's our annual holiday recommendation show. It's our semi-annual recommendation show. Uh, We just finished recording, though a week ago is when we released it. The first installment in which listeners have emailed us with their recommendation requests for them, people in their family, lives, otherwise... And we can call upon our copious and not at all going back to the well several times (laughs) arsenal of recommendations, our own reading experience, the Book Riot community, and our wider knowledge of the bookish world. Rebecca, how did you feel like we did last I think we did pretty well. We got to trot out some faves. We got to take some new angles on things. Mm. I think we have given the people generally what they're looking for. And I got to Google some stuff. So what more do you want? Yeah, you did. We have a lot of parentheticals. Are we sure they haven't read Marilyn Robinson? What about Gilead? That we have that are going to come here. And I think you have the first one. I'm going to kick us off uh, just after we do our first sponsor break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, here we go. This comes from someone who writes, I'm looking for recommendations for my 70-year-old, 74-year-old mother. I'd like to get her a couple of books on every gift-giving occasion, and she is fun to buy for because she'll move whatever books I give her to the top of her yes. pile and read them right away. That is the sweetest Good job, thing I've Mom. ever heard. And I just died and was reincarnated <laughs> in the glorious Lovely. She has a strong preference for literary fiction. Gosh, your your, your Mm -hmm. mom sounds terrific. She likes books with beautiful writing and good character development. Who doesn't? And they do not have to be plot-driven. I would like all of the mid-list to please stand up. The (laughs) mid-list exists to service your mother. For example, she loves authors like Desmond Ward and Jupa Lahiri, but has not enjoyed books by Kristen Hen and Kate Quinn. Got it. For Mother's Day this year, I gave her Our Souls at Night by Ken Roof, A Friend from England by Anita Bruckner, and Good Morning Midnight by Jean Rees. Thanks in advance for your suggestions. We This is one literally we could go on and yeah. on. We could do a whole podcast series think, about upmarket slash literary fiction that your mother yes, would like. Yes, we need to have this mother just come be the third chair on this podcast, I there think. There you go. She yeah, sounds great. Right. Uh, so it was challenging to pick because mom's got some years of reading behind her. I didn't right. know if I should lean front list she maybe hasn't gotten to yet or back list that was kind of under the radar so i threaded both needles and went for front list that i didn't think got enough attention this year uh to start with greek lessons by han kong um a really quiet novel set in seoul korea it's this young woman who is taking Greek language classes. Um, She has lost her voice. She can't speak. And and the teacher is losing his sight. And they find ways to communicate with each other and sort of form this unlikely, very quiet, lovely, kind of private, anguishy relationship (laughs) 
there's there's a lot going on. It's slim. It's like I'd be surprised if it's even 200 pages. I read it um, on as an ebook. Let me just double check this. It is a short book. Yeah, it's 192 pages. Um, the language is really beautiful. It's all character development. Like basically nothing happens in this book. Um, I did really love it, and I think about, I've been like just thinking about it often as like oh that was really lovely. So I think mom might like it. Um, I think late stage Lauren Groff is a place to go here. Maybe Matrix, Mm -hmm. especially. Um, Really beautiful language, really into that character. There's a little weirdness. Um, I mean, it's Lauren Groff. What do you want from me? Uh, And I put James Salter on the list with the parenthetical if your mom has read Marilyn Robinson, right? (laughs) So if mom has not, Mm -hmm. just buy her the Gilead, what is it, quadrilogy now, the four, um, or pick up basically anything by James Salter. I lean towards um, light years at this point. I think that's my fave for thinking about, you know, kind of bigger life questions, but all that is, which was his last novel written when he was in his late 70s, early 80s about a man looking back on his life might also be something that mom appreciates. But really, James Salter, Marilyn Robinson, you're not going to go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, we forget that the the literary sensation paperback bestseller phenomenon is really not really That's new. It's, it's been around for a while. And I was reminded again in reading the obituaries for A.S. Byatt, mm. that possession, if we were doing the It Book segment, which would have been weird because I would have been 12 <laughs> and you would have been six in 1990, <laughs> that um, it would have been very strange because possession probably would have been, it won the Booker Prize. It sold a whole bunch. It's a doorstopper of a it novel, is. 558 pages. It's set between two time periods. Scholars who are researching poets who fall in love and there's letters and back and forth. It's a literary tour de force. You have to be there in for its literariness of it, its self-awareness, the self-regard, a love and reverence for the written word, but also a reverence for the reverence of the Mm. written word, I think as much about what possession is about as anything. And it sounds like your mom might be the kind of person that in 1990 maybe read this, frankly. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But it's a good chance for those of us who have forgotten about it. And, and if you're 25, 30, I don't know how old people are. Um, age is a thing that happens to everyone eventually. <laughs> but I feel like this is the kind of novel that got forgotten. Yeah. Because it didn't have a big, it didn't have an English patient-like adaptation. By it didn't have, at least in the States, I should, I, you know, across the pond maybe it was different. Didn't have a follow-up book that was nearly as big. Um, and hasn't really enjoyed. I also think that the two initials hurts you Mm -hmm. in this day Mm -hmm. and age. I think it helped you at some point, especially if you were a a woman writer. But I think it feels impersonal now. I think the W.G. Subalds, the J.M. Coates, we just don't know them as well as we might have. So I think it's a little underrated at this point. That sounds weird to say. Speaking of underrated things oh, that happened far longer ago so than I would good. like to admit. I reread this one last year. On, it's, it's also in the set in the world of academia, but it's very beautiful. It's very complicated, but also not abstract or obtu- uh, abstruse. Um, has one of the great ending couple of sentences um, of all time. It's uh, Zadie Smith's On Beauty. Um, I, think, I think the real heads know that maybe this might be the best 
Zadie Smith, or there's there's a conversation to be had. I'm not sure what this the Smithians, the Smithsonians. That's right. No one's ever used that word before, Smithsonian. So I can use mm-hmm, it for this. Sure. Um, I don't know what by acclamation the, the um, this yeah the the Z train. <laughs> there um, it is. The writers of the Z train like to to say, but. It's really, really good. It's kind of an old-fashioned mm-hmm. book in a way, especially coming off the autograph man um, in White Teeth. It feels a little bit more like the kind of paperback seller you might have gotten in 1991, frankly, but it's also tremendous. So those are my two picks um, for your mom. May she live to be 200 yes. years and continue to buy books and support publishing. <laughs> Please comment here and tell us your mom's other favorites so we can just build out our reading list. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great one. I'd like to have that. Uh, let's okay. see. This is going to be Yeah, this read. is from Melanie looking for a rec for herself. Good job. We love this. Uh, really enjoying weird short story collections lately, like Liberation Day by George Saunders and Bliss Montage by Ling Ma. Looking for any short story collections or novels that we would recommend based on that vibe. I ceded this to you. Oh. I should have read this. I don't have anything. Yeah. This is your, I don't have Man, a weird short story I, collection. I can get. Oh, Liberation Day yes. is my one. We did a whole Yes to on, blah, blah, blah. George Saunders. I love this vibe. Um, I think get yourself to the bookstore and look at Kelly Link and pick up whichever one calls to you mm. the most. Um, do the same with Karen Russell. I think, I mean, Swamplandia is the like, you know, big Karen Russell novel, but St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves is a, an excellent short story collection that people don't talk about nearly enough enough it anymore um for more recent this year if i survive you by jonathan escoffery was nominated for a bunch of the awards um hard to win yeah. awards as a short story collection but it's it's still great. out there for the book oh good I mean, yes still that's right yeah, um debut honest. short story collection winning the booker that would be a hell of a thing wow, um amazing. it's great it is slightly less weird but it's set in florida mm. and like florida just is weird <laughs> by default it's weird yeah the weirdness quotient it can only be so low. um how strange a season by megan mayhew bergman disclaimer she's a good friend of mine uh but deals with some ecology some feminism some invented mythology a lot of stuff in the american south uh for slightly older the miniature wife by manuel gonzalez one of my favorites from i think back in the book rageous podcast days <laughs> so you could probably find a cheap used paperback of that one but just good weirdo stuff happening there um the oeuvre of lydia millet is a just also novels novels for days just pick some lydia millet uh and rebecca mckay's short story collection music for wartime which has a couple images in short stories that just like randomly pop into my mind sometimes (laughs) like that's how long lasting they are and i read it many many years ago um so those are mine. I oh. feel like I'm going to keep thinking of answers to this question, like in the middle of the night for the next three weeks. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that would have been a good one for the person there, with, that would have been one. with the weird mm-hmm. short stories. Uh, next question comes from Emilia looking for books for the nibblings. First is twin eight-year-old girls who have loved the Princess in Black series and the Kitty series by Paula Harrison, looking for books that are recently published that they might enjoy. The second is for a four and a half-year-old nephew who likes all things vehicle and construction, has all the classics of that area, so also looking for something more recent. And I will cede the floor. Um, so if we go up, Again, I'm not sure. Princess in Black and Eight is like a perfect age. Go up one level, and my daughter could do it at eight into nine. It's also a great read, read aloud series. The Vanderbeeker series by Karina Young Glazer, who wrote for us for a long time. Um, just completed series about a family, a mixed-race family, 
living in Harlem, New York, and the hijinks they get into. It's moving and sweet and silly and heartwarming, and I love the Vanderbeekers. Probably my family's favorite together reading experience mm. we've done. All That's a together. big we've endorsement. Been putting off the last, the last, we've been putting off the last one because it's the end, so I okay. think it might be a holiday time. Um, now that the teachers are on strike, we've had a little more together time. So at the end of the night, we're not all sitting around like, let's all get into bed and read aloud together. I was like, <laughs> Everyone go to your separate right rooms. <laughs> yeah, let's just, I mean, a little space is okay. Um, it takes all the kinds of relationships and uh, permutations. But right now, uh, a family read aloud is not in the offing. Probably, so that one's to keep an eye on. Maybe check it out. Maybe if you're interested in reading aloud or they're a read aloud family, that might be good. A little more fastball down the middle. Um, it's Meet Yasmin. I think it's a three-book series. So you got a few of them by Sadia Faruqi, illustrated by Hatem Ali. And Yasmin is a second grader and is looking to solve problems and looking for aha moments. My daughter loved this book when she was six, seven years old. Um, it came out, I think the first one was, yeah, 2018. So Rowan would have been five. So I think we did some read aloud that she started to read herself. I think that's a home run. Um, Meet Yasmin by Sadia Faruqi. And then for the four and a half year old, probably you're reading to him. Someone's reading to him. Um, I would suggest Rosie Revere Engineer by um, Andrea Betty. Um, this is a series of, I guess they're picture books. I don't, I'm, the terms of art are a little confusing to me, but they're large format picture books about different professions and they're inclusive and they're about the sciences. There's Iggy Peck architect and Walter Slater illustrator. <laughs> um, they're really fun and, and cool and beautifully illustrated. And so can just look out on his own if he's not reading yet, which probably at this point he isn't, but then is fun uh, read aloud to do at the same time. So if you like one, there's the whole series, but for someone who likes things that make things, Rosie Revere engineer is the one to pick. There. All right. Glad that we have a, a subject matter expert here. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, well, it's been, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age out of this. It's going to be a while. It's going to be like the person, I'm still going to be re- recommending the very hungry caterpillar to people. <laughs> and like, this is going to be my very hungry caterpillar, the Vanderbeekers in like 2060. Um, anyway, let's see. So I'm reading this mm-hmm. now. This is a bit of a niche request. Welcome. It is fine. There is no request. We love a niche request. That, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is too Mm-mm. niche um necessarily. But my sister is a huge women's sports fan, especially tennis and soccer. I want to gift her a biography of a female tennis or soccer player. I found some biographies online, but find it difficult to determine which one is actually good. Sports biographies <sighs> are a I'm not even sure they're a mixed bag. It's, it's mostly a, a bad it's bag. A bad it's bag. like a barrel of apples where there's one there's like two good apples and the rest are self aggrandizing tripe. I just mm-hmm. I mean not to paint with too broad a brush, but let's just say that the barn needs some paint, and uh, that's how we need to describe it. Are there any biographies you would recommend to a fervent fan? Bonus points for biographies that tackle a social justice, diversity, and or historical angle. Thank you. Okay, well, the, the short answer is there are not any biographies of this for this subject that I would recommend. Yeah. Um, I think some of this is indicative of the fact that stories about women in sports, like even if you rise to the highest echelons, getting someone interested in writing an authorized biography is very rare still. Um, I did some digging and didn't come across anything in this wheelhouse that looked 
like I could trust it enough to recommend it on the show. Uh, if listeners have picks, I would love to hear about them. So I went for memoirs. Let people tell their own stories. Mm. We're at least getting there with women in sports. This has the other problem, like this, the second tier problem of now that we've got women telling their stories in sports, most of them are by white women. Um, two that I know are good. Abby Wambach's memoir, Forward, about both her career in soccer and also uh, beginning her retirement, what happened after she had that big uh, DUI car accident, sort of like coming to terms with a new shape of her life. Uh, and One Life by Megan Rapino, which is a couple of years old, so it doesn't capture like the most recent big historic stuff uh, in her career, but still like a very powerful voice and one worth listening to. I also really, really loved Uphill by Jamele Hill. Uh, or Jamel, she was um, an ESPN anchor on, I think she was on uh, Sports Center. Yeah, and then it kind of went it, sideways because she of called, Me Too well, or something. She called President Trump a white supremacist on air and she got fired for it. Mm. So this was like in the era where that was still a spicy it's thing not look great to say to the, right. to the annals of right. history. About President Trump. This is the, like the CNN anchors are freely saying this all the time now. So like the fact that Jamel Hill, a black woman and one of the first black people to co-anchor Sports Center, lost her job over it. Quite spicy and not a great look. Um, but this is a memoir of her like her sort of life in sports and in journalism and in reporting. And it will give maybe a sideways approach to talking about experiences of women and especially women of color in the, the world of sports. Also coming out next year, we get the first of two big Serena Williams books. So maybe you can also yeah. write your sister a little voucher for when this Serena Williams book comes out, I will buy it for you. And if she comes here on tour, we'll go see her together or something. Yeah. Um, so I heard the Wombach is yeah, one is good. good too. I haven't read it myself, but I have heard it's good. I haven't read the book I'm going to recommend, but I did see, and I don't remember the name of it. There was a documentary about the friendship slash rivalry of Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova that I thought was pretty good. And I remember seeing or reading a review or so, somewhere in the discourse when that came out that there was a book about their rivalry first, and it's called The Rivals by Jeanette Howard. And I think that would be my pick. Mm. Um, I was going to look for a Never to Lover biography because talk about an interesting person, um, complicated, outspoken, um, persecuted, and not for nothing, an unbelievably all-time great athlete of any sport and any gender. Um, but her biography is out of print. Ooh. Can you believe that? Mm. Her memoir is out of print. Not a great mm-hmm. look. But The Rivals by Jeanette Woodward is a story of those two together. And I think that would be an interesting history slash... So, I think I think that's probably as good as you're going to well not as good as you're going to get but from a historical point of view I was looking for other histories of soccer players or tennis players um but Rebecca went one way which is to look for the memoir and I went the other yeah. way which is sort of a narrative nonfiction account of this particular time Yeah definitely we need a lot more of these um, this one's from Chloe says, uh, strange request, but she's built up. This is not a strange request. I love this request. Chloe has built up a lot of credit at her used bookstore and needs to buy some used books with it. So she's looking for hidden gem recommendations, books or authors from the last few decades that we loved and think deserve more love. She's thinking about my uh, enthusiastic recommendation of James Salter or something like that. Open to fiction or nonfiction, anything we think should be dusted off and read discovered more like this please this is a great question you mean we just have to rediscover someone as good as james salter that's what the recommendation request is it seems a little high of a bar 
I'm old. My vertical is like it is a high half bar. Of what it was when I was 18. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I did. We did sort of similar things. Like you could go look for so used bookstores, as you all know, uh, hit and miss. True. Right. It depends on the bookstore you go to. If you go to Powell's, you can find a lot of the stuff there. So a couple, we did a couple of similar things. Was like look for an author and pick up what they have. So I have Britt Bennett. The mm-hmm. Mothers came out, which wasn't a huge seller. So maybe there's used copies there. But the Vanishing Half was, which means there are maybe there are a bunch of copies hanging around. So both of those would be really good. Looking at Ishiguro's, Rebecca's favorite Ishiguro, his underrated The Buried Giant. You, you love that. Book, <laughs> I right? never got giant? to that one, and you know it. Oh, that's right. You haven't gotten to that one. Yeah, right. So you can beat Rebecca to the punch and then recommend it to her when you, like me, realize how good it is. Um, also, I was just looking through what, what are mutual faves mm-hmm. that we liked from a few years ago? The Feather yes, Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson which is a head-scratchingly interesting book about someone who gets involved stealing rare feathers to service the... Um, fly fishing. Artisanal yeah. fly fishing, the fly tying trade. Those are all words that are true. <laughs> That's what that book is actually about. Also, if you haven't got into the backlist of Charles mm, Yu, good go find good one. Heck. Whatever you find there, go pick it up and, and check that out. A couple perennial faves. Go find yourselves a 2M at the Cat's Pajamas. Um, you could, there's always Gaiman's there. If there's a Neil Gaiman, if two of my, my two favorites are Neverwhere and Ocean at the End of the Lane, you could pick up. Um, and then in all caps for me, The Orchard by Adele Crockett Robertson. Ah, now. You probably will not find this because it didn't sell very well, though there was a paperback. Though it was just reissued as a yeah. paperback. Holt put out a new paperback version of now this. I need to get to the bottom we of are in a holiday recommendation show. You have made it to The Orchard. I have made it to the orchard, which if you haven't heard this story before, I was reading about apples <laughs> and I was looking at the biography, the bibliography of the book about apples. And I was, there was this book called the orchard that sounded very interesting, a memoir of someone, um, you know, uh, you <laughs> growing know, apples, an apple orchard. I'm going to, I'm going to read that. That's more interesting than the book I am reading. So I'm, I'm three apples deep in my bibliographical <laughs> Russian nesting doll. And I pick up the orchard by Adele Crockett Robertson, except it's the wrong freaking book. <laughs> called The Orchard by Adele Crockett Robertson. No, it was the right, it was The Orchard, but I was looking for a different book called The Orchard. But this one is wonderful. Um, The story behind it is Adele Crockett Robertson was a journalist for a long time, and she passed away, and her daughter was cleaning out her stuff, looked under the bed, and there was this manuscript called The Orchard. And it's a memoir of her time trying to run her family's apple farm, and it's beautiful, um, and bittersweet and sad and enigmatic, and the whole thing is a delight. I'm a delight. Um, <laughs> Obviously. And this is why, uh, this is one to find out for, and I really need to go find out why they decided to reissue it. I'm a little concerned they saw a sales spike in the orchard like 18 months ago because we moved a couple hundred units. Like, we should reissue that I'm thing. So I hope they're not taking a bath deep. on the orchard. <laughs> if we moved a couple hundred units of the orchard, I need someone to tell us. We gotta start. We, we gotta start charging for placement. This, like the, this, the, the, no, the the price of used copies started oh, spiking right, because the algorithm was like, "What is going? There's a rush on the orchard." I love it. So good. Uh, yeah, anyway. Here we are. Uh, we're punchy on the second hour of recording. It's true. Uh, I think go deep 
on Louise Erdrich. Whatever you can find, pick, pick up as many of yeah. them, read them in whatever order. I've been thinking about who is going to take the place in my heart that James McBride gets to very happily vacate for criminally under-celebrated <sighs> authors. And like Louise Erdrich gets nominated for awards and people... Well, she have, like two national Yes, but still, so, James McBride has a National Book Award, but like people do not make a big enough deal about how Louis, how good yeah, Louise Erdrich is. True. So I think... She doesn't even have a good Lord Bird Right. She doesn't have it yet. Right. Louise Erdrich is the new one. Like, I'm going to get up on my soapbox. I think she has a book coming out next year. Maybe we can propel her to Barnes and Noble book of the year. I will make this my personal mission. Go read all the Louise Erdrich you can find and anything that you can find from Annie Dillard. Uh, It also occurs to me that poetry is a really great use of your used oh. bookstore so i would just poke around you think there's some glick out there oh maybe some maybe louise some glick. glick maybe you can find that nobel i think the market for used glick it, yeah. it dried up like the the Sahara. sharon olds um, i sure. love the odes and arias mm. collection and you know what's always at the used bookstore is anthony bourdain so if somehow you listen you to go. this podcast and you have not read kitchen confidential or a cook's tour or like some of the later ones are okay but those first two are really the bourdains to get in on yeah. find yourself a used paperback and go to town yeah there's all what what things got assigned in on college course syllabi that then get returned in. So you can always find their eyes for watching God for a few mm-hmm, books and you haven't mm-hmm. happened to pick that one up. You could scratch that. I mean, it's terrific, but um, at this point it's, it's a stalwart, but if you haven't caught one of those, you can always go check it out um, as well. There's, there's copies all over the place at this point. Uh, my read. Uh, I need some things to ask for from the family. So they stop buying book. <laughs> I love this question that no actual reader needs. I've felt this in my uh-huh. bones, like paper mache statues made from old Harry Potter books. You have two <laughs> already. Wow. You need to cast a little reducto spell on those particular tchotchkes. I have a long list of books, but they like to buy things. We live in a small space, but enjoy the outdoors, TV nights at home, and cook for ourselves often. What should I ask for this holiday season? So went off uh, went off um, brief here a little bit. By by a respect, I Rebecca. respect it too. Um, I love this uh, for the outdoorsiness. Yeah. Ask them to buy you an annual pass for your state or national parks. There's one for the U.S. Mm. national parks that's called the America the Beautiful Pass. I think it's like. 70 bucks a year which is depending on which parks you happen to be near or traveling to that's like between two and four park entry fees so you can Mm. make really good use of that um maybe have them cover your subscription to one of the streamers since you like nights in at home Mm. with tv um movie pass is back i don't know if y'all go to the movies but if you do movie (laughs) pass is back and you can get like they could get you for like 10 or 12 bucks a month you could see a couple movies with movie pass, um, I think you like to cook at home. So a great cast iron skillet or a great Dutch oven. Do not be seduced by Le Creuset unless you need your family to have like a $500 item on your holiday list. The Lodge Dutch ovens are great. Um, or like a subscription to the New York Times cooking section, which is 40 bucks a year. And for the 40 bucks a year, like pound for pound is one of the most valuable subscriptions I pay for in a year. Love the New York Times cooking. Um. I was going to second some subscriptions. I have late have gone on a getting the physical copy jag. I just signed up for to get physical copies of New Yorker, the Atlantic, New York Magazine, and the Weekend New York Times. I turns out my kids and I and, and Michelle also like just to pick them up and browse through them. It's a different experience. To be, to be perfectly honest with you, I found myself 
negotiating paywalls and I subscribe for that. What's my login? You know what? I want to support these. These are not zines, but I think all journalism, frankly, and all media mm. could use direct support. So if that's a thing you like to have on your cozy night in, um, that's always interesting. Like the New Yorker for the year, it's like 90 bucks. It's, it's it really is very good yeah. for what you get. Um, a couple of things. I'm just going to list you a couple of things on my list. I need a new Ember oh, mug. Yeah. Uh, an Ember mug, if you don't know it, is a... And it sounds less ridiculous than it did, I think, the first time I talked about this seven years Bob ago. Bob loves his, too. It's a USB-connected coffee. Well, it could be for tea or whatever, but it's a mug that has a battery in it that keeps your uh, drink warm. Mm-hmm. So it has a little saucer that it sits in that charges it, but then you can control it with your phone app to see exactly how hot you would like to keep it. Um, really terrific. I don't really have much occasion for it outside of the winter time. I drink hot coffee throughout the year, but my coffee goes really fast. But my cup of tea, I don't drink as fast, and I hate cold tea. I'll drink cold coffee, but if my if my tea gets cold, cold tea I'm like, is oh, sad. this is disgusting yeah, dishwater. Mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of this. I'm also in the market for a new multi-tool. This is some real dad action <laughs> going on right here. Throw it in your bag. It's nice to have around. It's a Swiss Army knife, but actually can do things. Um, I read, a his, I read a, an article about the history of the Leatherman. Uh, the guy. Uh, you could say literally anything the, after I read a history of, and I would believe you at this point. Yeah, it's really there is no there's no nader there. It's a it's an abyss. Um, had a hard time getting the specialized little widgets manufactured in China because they didn't know what he was doing and thought he was some sort of crook. Uh, anyway, so that's a good one. And you know what's nice is a rice mm. cooker. Uh, to have a dedicated nice rice cooker, you can go all the way to multiple hundreds of dollars. I think for fifty, sixty dollar ones, you can get you know the firmness you like, the different kinds of rice. The one I have has one flip, one switch, which I think is fine. But I do enough different kinds of rice for different cuisines that I wouldn't mind a little granularity in my granule cooking <laughs> when it comes to my rice cooker. So those are my ideas. Feel free to steal any, all, or none of them. Yeah, I love this. I think. Going forward, we should just explicitly welcome these kinds of questions. If you need non-book things that you think we can help you with because you listen to the show and you know what other stuff we're interested in, we'd be happy to do it. This is fun. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. this question uh, is from Josh. Uh, let's see. We d- we had some wins for Josh with our picks during Moms, Dads, and Grads. So Josh has come mm. back. I like this question. Looking for books that we cannot seem to understand why have they have not been turned into adaptations by A24 yet. <laughs> A24 has done some adaptations. They did Room, White Noise, The Disaster Artist. And then there he li- goes on to list some original screenplays that give the A24 vibe. Uh, he says, so please, I have to know, what books do you recommend that would make great A24 adaptations or, or any originals that remind you of great books? I went to a couple of my favorite books from last year that I didn't realize that I also like this jam, mm-hmm. Josh. Um, Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. I read early in 2022 um, and kind of took my breath yeah. away. Which is you talked about that one a lot. Joke because it's about this guy that is um, walking along the beach one, one day, sees someone drowning, goes and pulls them out, gives them CPR, and then just kind of wants to see what happens to this person's life that they just saved. And then gets involved in their life, and it has a creepy A24 thriller, domestic thriller vibe that can definitely see happening with a ambivalent slash sinister ending, which I think is good for this kind of sort of uh, commercial art house. Is that what we call A24? Kind of yeah, I think that's a that's a good as good as any descriptor. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, then post-traumatic by Chantal Johnson, which is a debut novel that came out last year by Chantal Johnson's a social worker. Um, and the opening scene is a scene I think about a lot of the time. This young woman is working in a institution and there's someone having an episode with a knife and all hell is breaking loose and people are trying to de-hellify it, mm. right? Um, and then she's estranged from her, from her family. She's walking around in the world trying to make sense of her own situation, her own trauma. It's a great Her one. own disaffection. And also has an elegiac, poetical, ambiguous, elusive ending, which I think would work very well. And then I will be surprised if the guest by Emma Klein <sighs> does not get turned into an A24 Seriously. production. It was the It Book of the Year, sort of between Montauk and Brooklyn, I would say, which is a... Um, for getting independent films funded, not the worst time in the world to have your book take off is when right. film and TV executives are out there um, in Fitzgeraldian West Eggland. Uh, and it's a terrific book, a, re- a real page turner. And I-, I wish we had a database. I wish I needed a pub- I need a publisher's lunch for movie rights mm. because I get some of those. But I'd like to be able to see, I'm sure someone's optioned this, but has a director been attached? Like, what are all the criminology I need to do to figure out how real it is and what timeline there might be for an adaptation? So, Josh, you didn't ask for that. <laughs> I'm asking for that, um, of whom I don't know, but I'm putting it out there. So those are my three picks. All right. I think Brandon Taylor's whole vibe is something that I want an A24 yeah. take on. Most recently, I read Family Meal, but what is the the first one set in Chicago on that one night in the summer oh, are you thinking of brian washington I, not brandon no taylor? i'm thinking oh brian washington is family meal i am thinking of brandon family taylor meal, though yeah. but actually both of yeah, them you wanted to say <laughs> you wanted to say late americans the, yeah the late americans and any actually both of them i think would be good fits i yeah. would read or, or i would go see an adaptation of any of those um i think a24 would be especially great at kevin wilson um now is not the time to panic is the most recent one but really any of the kevin wilson's that have not already been yeah. adapted the swimmers would be good juliet suka that's an interesting idea right it'd be more of a short but film. like i'm not sure there's yeah a good but they did there, like they can, can do it. weirdness i mean if you can get as weird as everything everywhere all at once they could figure out the yeah. weirdness of the swimmers and a way to like expand kind of interleave those two stories where that swimmer yeah. is also going to see her mom right in the thing i think you could maybe make a movie and you that. mentioned yeah. jonah's okay by wakey wang earlier ah. in the show which i i did also really like but chemistry by wakey wang a little bit older one um about a woman who's i think she's getting her phd or she's supposed to be getting her phd yep. in chemistry she's figuring out maybe she doesn't want to do that maybe she also doesn't want to marry this boyfriend that she has so she's gonna like defy her parents expectations and cultural pressure in several ways i would love to see that on screen um for the second part of josh's question here what are a24 originals that reminded you of great books i think i'm gonna work on for my next round of the deep dive a list of the movies that i saw this year that were actually the best books i read (laughs) like and i think past lives is the best piece of literary fiction that i encountered this year (laughs) The um, uh, Greta Lee original for A24, a a beautiful, quiet story kind of about first love and how do you move on or maintain those connections? What does it mean as you move forward? Um, I mean, also A24 did Lady Bird, which if anything feels like literary fiction, (laughs) it's Lady Bird. (laughs) So those are a couple of mine. I'll have to think more, but um, I'm living in the A24 wheelhouse right now. So this was, mm. uh, this is a really solid question for me. Okay. Let's see. Let's skip down to the second. I uh, hope I'm not too early. So 
Here we go. This is a request probably for Rebecca. Mm-hmm. I'm after some nonfiction around being a child-free woman or woman considering this is a life choice. Uh, wait, no, we already did this one. I'm sorry. Oh, no, this is a second. This one it's about. a second person. Second yeah. one? Did some Googling? Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I was doing a repeat. Well, it's the second version of this. Google gives me various lists, but I'd love some more personalized recommendations. Thanks for... So if you missed last week's episode, go back and listen, because I did give a a big list of recommendations about being a child-free woman or considering that as a choice. Um, I would add to those a book called Instead by Maria Coffey, which I have not read yet. I just bought it because a substack I subscribed to had an excerpt of it that was like, it is her story of being child-free, traveling the world, and sort of having her own version of a big life instead of having children. Um, The excerpt was compelling enough that I bought the book, which is a thing that basically never happens to me on the internet. <laughs> mm. uh, so you can take that, give it a Google, uh, see if it rings your bell. And then I do just want to share for our listeners, since um, Heather noted this in the question, that she wants to recommend the Lauren Groff on audio to us and anybody else, I guess. She said, it's not something I would typically pick up, but the audio really put across the visceral nature of the character's struggles and enhanced the experience. Hmm. And I have heard that from a friend as well, that it was a great listen. So wanted to share that out. Um, okay, this one is My Read. Uh, listener has discovered they really love multi-generation books. They've read Black Cake. Um, so, hey, little callback to last week's. Black Charmaine. Big yeah. yeah. Did you hear about Keddie Carr, The Only One Left, and The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina? Um, no trigger warnings on the page, for on-the-page pregnancy um, or child death. You... Oh, I think I screwed mine oh, up then. Oh, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, want me to vamp okay, for a minute? First. I'll try to sh- I'll try to <laughs> and jive here. Uh, the most fun we've ever had is a great one. Big, chunky novel about a family living in the suburbs of Chicago. The parents are retirement age. Their grown kids are in their late 20s and early 30s. Some of those kids have kids of their own. Some of them are big messes. I don't think there's any on-the-page pregnancy loss or child death. It's been several years since I read it. It was one of my favorite books of the year a few years ago. Um, so I would say give that a Google. Storygraph um, has much more detail tracking of this stuff. Um, The Turner House by Angela Flournoy, also one of my favorite multi-generation stories. Um, If We're Being Honest by Kat Shook came out earlier this year. Mm. Didn't have a lot of publicity around it, but it has a couple things I really love. It's a get the gang back together. It's about a Southern family. The patriarch has died. Um, The adult kids have all come home for... It's like big chill vibes. The adult kids have all come home for the funeral family secrets are coming out. It turns out maybe grandpa who has died was secretly gay. How is that going to literally come out? What other stories do people have to tell about their lives? Um, And then I wanted to mention also The Mothers or The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which you talked about just a few minutes ago, but both um, get into multiple generations of a family and sort of unwinding those tales. Well, let me see. I guess so. When we're talking about a multi, so we want multiple generations, but we want all the the family stuff, yeah. right? We want there to be the generations sort of being in and out of the same house, talking to each other, coming in and out of the lives. I'd go back to Pachinko. That's again, a good one. Honestly, it's it's good as one. While I'm vamping, um, I, a little bit later in the show, I go to some more classical kinds of things. But I wonder if you've never picked up, I'm trying to think of like, what's the er sort of popular version of this? 
I don't know how it holds up, but but the Thorn Birds by by um, by Colleen McCullough was a huge book in the seventies, mm. and my parents really loved it. And I read it one time, and I thought it was really really good. It's again, does it border on soap opera? But maybe that's what you want when you're talking about a generational saga. If you're not one, if you're not want that, then you want something like. 100 years of solitude or home going by Yad Jesse or something like that. But like you want a little bit of the strife. You want a little bit of the, oh, dad doesn't approve of who I'm getting married to right, or right. something like that. Or you want Legends of the Fall um, to pick another one um, out of the hat by Jim Harrison. East of Eden by John Steinbeck um, would be another one that you might think about. But I think I think Pachinko, another one you might check out is The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende has a good multi-generational family saga. So rather than giving you one I've really thought about, I'm now giving you uh, a smorgasbord that you can pick from on your own. My original pick, just to say it out loud, was The Coven of Water by mm. Amber Geese, which I think for this, I you know, if you put that into the mix of why this thing was selling so well this year, um, people love these kinds of stories. They love fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, siblings, grandfathers, family farms, family practices, secrets, lies, and it's all in there. And Pachinko, Thornbirds, and... Um, uh, I can't remember House of the Spirits how much lying there is in there, but that those are some that you could you could certainly do. Uh, let's see. I don't remember now. I think it's my read. Go ahead. Um, writing in hopes of some suggest for a book for the person I drew in my workplace secret Santa book swap. This is a sticky. Mm-hmm. The spending limit is pretty low because the swap encourages regifting or buying used books. So I'm hoping for suggestions that aren't newly published so I can go look for them. Uh, my recipient made a wish list with a few books, Fourth Wing, A Court of Thorns and Roses. I just got nailed yes, that. Yes, yes, you did. There to provide an idea of her reading taste, but she has indicated that she is open to surprises and interest in getting out of her comfort zone, which is fantasy and sci-fi. I know she loved Anthropocene Reviewed and has read an absolutely remarkable thing. Those are Green Brothers books. Trust in a Song of Achilles. She dislikes when characters stumble into trouble the reader saw coming. Smart protagonists empowered women would be appealing. Thank you. Okay, so several of my friends who have read A Court of Thorns and Roses say so much of that and so much of Fourth Wing reminds them of Jacqueline Carey's Kushiel's Dart series, which is big and epic and very, very spicy. Jacqueline Carey's looking around like, now, wait, wait, I missed the train. There's gravy on that train and it left the station without Yeah, Jacqueline, like if we've been talking about Fourth Wing as dragon riders who do it, Jacqueline Carey is like Game of Thronesy palace intrigue with lots of doing it and less, Mm. less or maybe fewer or maybe no dragons, but sort of the Ur text of Fourth Wing. Um, And I've heard great things about the whole series. I read Kushiel's Dart several years ago. My only caution is it's just real spicy. So like this person requested pretty spicy books in their workplace gift swap. You'll just have to use your judgment for like, do you feel comfortable? I don't care if they said I read erotica for fun. There's no way I'm giving a co-worker Kushiel's Dart. It super depends on how well you know this person. Or how comfortable yeah. you are, or how strong your HR guidance is. Right, yeah, things. but it's uh, real spicy. So, like, do your Googles about the details of Kushiel's dart 
before you go there. But if she's talking about Fourth Wing and A Court of Thorns and Roses, it's worth mentioning, uh, at least just to do the service for other listeners. Like if you are reading those and you have not read Jacqueline Carey, I think you want to go to Jacqueline Carey. The writing is just much better. Um, Maybe some Helen Oyeyemi. She does interesting twists and updates on fairy tales. So that's kind of adjacent to this romanticy stuff, you know, fantasy titles, YA titles. Um, Or you could go to Wake Siren by Nina McLaughlin. Laughlin, which is a little bit of a zag, but someone who wants to expand their horizons. It's a feminist take on the metamorphoses by Ovid. Um, and it is like, I know that sounds really nerdy. Uh, it kind of is. And it's also really excellent. So I wanted to give you a, a range there. Um, if you do get bold and decide to give this person Jacqueline Carey, please let us know how it goes. <laughs> Um, I latched on to interesting getting out of a comfort okay. zone and smart protagonists and empowered women. So my first pick is The Bandit <gasps> Queens by Pernice Schroff, a book that came out this year. I happen to look to see if it's available in the major used marketplace. You can. It's not out in paperback yet, but you can get one. You can get a copy for 10 bucks in a lot of places. Um, so this is a group of women who are living in a small rural village subject to the patriarchy of the time. Their husbands are neglecting them and more, various mm-hmm. states of distress, and they form allegiances and alliances to remedy the situations um, using the tools at their disposal. Weirdly, for a revenge slash quote question mark murdery kind of revenge book, it's really fun and it fun is. and light at the same time. Um, so I think it would be a really, it would be an interesting breath of fresh air. I'm also wondering about Babel mm. by R.F. Um, Kuang, which is a long fantasy, but it's also about fantasy and colonialism. Um, and coming out of these big fantasy stories, they might be ready for a meta discourse about fantasy and how these worlds are represented, who isn't represented, and how those things are represented. Just a thought. Just a thought. that You could certainly get a used copy at this point. It's sold a billion books. Yellowface has kind of um, eclipsed Babel because uh, it came out in such hard, um, hard upon Babel, and I think Yellowface had more of a mainstream literary world um, connection, or or at least it had overtly discussable things. Not a huge fantasy, hard, pretty hard genre actually, but it seems like they're not um, averse to that. So that might be one to consider as a stretch uh, if you're looking. All right. Next question is from mine. Oh, I thought it was my read. My read, oh. right? No, this one's my read. No, you went first. No, because yeah, no, yeah, oh, right. you I'm nailed the I'm court of thorns and roses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Someday, <laughs> maybe in our 14th year of this podcast, we will label well, who's reading it's which question. Harder rem- it's harder to remember. You would think if you were just giving a recommendation, <laughs> yeah. it's not your turn to talk. It's the back to backness. <laughs> This is from Shannon looking for a book for mom who reads mostly front list and tends to skew towards books that teach her something she would not have arrived at on her own. Think Brene Brown, Sue Monk Kidd, and Abraham Verghese. Varying cultures, thoughts, lifestyles, beliefs are totally up her alley. Both fiction and nonfiction are welcome. Uh, Again, maybe it's because I was thinking about what you could buy used from a couple of the other ones Mm. above. I was like, let's go back a few years. I haven't had. I don't think I've talked about no, Lab World. No, we got to ring the bell. Remedy that right away by Hope Jaren. Um, she's a scientist, and it's her memoir of becoming a scientist. Uh, it's terrific. It's especially good on audio. I don't know if that's interesting at all here. 
um, but it's moving, it's thoughtful, it's um, inspiring and quite beautiful in its own way. And then if you're looking for something that's also a coming of age, well, not coming of age, but the making of, Notes from a Young Black Chef by Kwame Anuachi. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like coming up the hard way to become, at this point, one of the most celebrated chefs in America. Yeah. And it is a real eye-opener. Um, it's going to be a little tougher in terms of subject matter than Lab Girl, but kind of would be an interesting stretch. I think your mom could handle it. It's so good. I think it's a great one. So it's really terrific. Uh, Yeah, I reached for Ross Gay here. There it is. Uh, I mean, these are perfect little books with flowers on the cover and titles like Inciting Joy that turn out to be about like the philosophy of how to be a person. Uh, So I think get your mom a stack of Ross Gay. Um, The Real Work by Adam Gopnik was a great sort of surprising read that we both really enjoyed this year about like just the value of like learning to practice a thing, working towards mastery of something just for the sake of doing it. Um, The Country of the Blind by Andrew Leland and Jeff O'Neill recommendation that has become one of my most widely recommended books this year. Uh, He has a um, degenerative disease that is causing him to very slowly go blind over decades. And he writes both about the experience of that, but he's also a journalist. So he goes deep into understanding like the culture of blindness and the history of how we've come to understand blindness and different uh, blind advocacy groups and access and all like it's, it was fascinating. I learned so much. I learned things a that I... A like, shouts in the requests here yeah, about that book. So, Already we're it's seeing so, It's just really wonderful. Um, and How Far the Light Reaches by Sabrina Imbler, uh, who is a marine biologist, and it's a collection of essays about uh, that weave through like different things that they learned in their life and work as a marine biologist about the particular creatures of the sea, but sort of recursive essays that also move into memoir. I will say there's a good amount of trauma uh, on the page there, but it sounds like some of the stuff that your mom is interested in, uh, your mom might also find some value. And that might be the stretch read there um, for her. Little, It's not like as mainstream as Sue Monk Kid. Um, so you yeah. can take that, or take that or leave it. Okay, so that means this one is my read. <laughs> Um, This is from Hunter, who's on a perpetual search for spy novels that pass the Bechdel test. Nothing worse than an espionage espionage thriller that's firing on all cylinders until the story is derailed by objectification or fridging. Uh, So recent books Hunter has enjoyed include Ava Glass's ongoing Emma Makepeace series, the Slow Horses series, which they note are borderline for passing the Bechdel test, and Who is Vera Kelly by Rosalie Necht. Uh, This is a niche one, so anything we can do will be appreciated um you had my immediate pick so okay you'll get to that in a second so i did a little poking around and the one i came up with is the golden doves by martha hall kelly mm. um google it it sounds exactly what you might be looking for and it looks like there's a million of the in the nonfiction space especially the woman who was the librarian in paris who was also a spy um nonfiction and novels and it feels like there's a commodity factor to them as well I'm not sure, but this one seems like it might be a cut above that. Um, Kelly's previous book was called The Lilac Girls, which sold exceptionally well. And I wondered if this person knew that this is sort of The Nightingale, which was Kristen Hanna's big breakout book. I mean, they're not really spies, but they're resisting um, the Germans. So if you haven't gone back, if you didn't know that, I think so much of this current wave of interest in 
women doing stuff during World War II as historical fiction and or narrative nonfiction, I feel like it really goes back to how well the Nightingale sold. And these books continue to sell extremely well. There's a whole bunch of them. And most of them have Paris in it. Um, <laughs> often a librarian. The one that I could, the one that I tried to, yeah, often librarians or whatever. And it's cool, but I don't have a lot of experience with this myself. So the Golden Doves is the one that maybe could be okay. a new discovery. And if if in is sort of like it was hiding in plain sight, you might go look at the Nightingale if you haven't read that. Yeah, one. the obvious pick here, uh, which I would be surprised if you haven't gotten to it, is American Spy by Lauren yeah. Wilkinson, which is about a young black woman working for the FBI during the Cold War, um, made the best of the year lists when it came out in, I think, 2018, 2019. Um, So that's worth a look. Mm -hmm. I looked around for similar titles. I think you might want to check out the Alice Network as well. Um, And then Hunter had also asked if I could pluck out only two of my favorite Obama staffer books, what would they be? Um, So I pondered that. I really loved The World As It Is by Ben Rhodes. Uh, He was an international policy guy. I learned a ton from that book. Um, He had a more recent book about the rise of authoritarianism around the world that for all kinds of reasons you can imagine was very useful and relevant. Uh, And Yes, We Still Can by Dan Pfeiffer, who was one of Obama's staff writers, I think was the funniest and most engaging of the Obama staffer memoirs. He's also a host of um, Pod Save America. If you listen to that, you might recognize his voice. Um, Also, Alyssa Mastermonico worked in the administration, and she has a great book called So Here's the Thing that's a little bit more memoir and less Obama staffer memoir, but I really liked that one too. So wanted to shout that one out as well. Okay. Um, I'm up for your holiday recommendations. I love some recommendations for disability affirming books, nonfiction and fiction. The Country of the Blind was a great read and I would love more. Others that I've enjoyed with memoirs, characters with disabilities are Easy Beauty, Chloe Coper Jones, I like that one as well, El Defo, which my kids really liked, and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which just happens to be one of the best-selling books out mm-hmm. there. Um, as a bonus, I would love recommendations for lighthearted but not dumb books. Something joyful to balance out the heaviness from your literary reads. All okay, right. Rebecca, you come um, I really loved The Collected Schizophrenias by Esme Wajin Wang. Uh, I listened to it on audio. If that's a thing for you at all, I sincerely recommend that format for it. Um, and it is a collection of essays about her experiences having schizophrenia, both her experience and her understanding of what schizophrenia means to people, the way that it is misconceived, the ways that we might conceive of it in the future. There's just a ton of food for thought. And uh, she comes from the perspective of like, you know, schizophrenia is often uh, a mental illness that people say like they really wouldn't want to have, or it's been used as shorthand for, you know, all kinds of things that aren't actually schizophrenia. But she talks about the ways that she has come to, you know, benefit from it, to appreciate the perspective that it gives her in her life. I really, really appreciated the book. Um, Between Two Kingdoms by Salika Juwad is more chronic and serious illness than disability, but I think the line between those stories gets increasingly blurry, and there's a lot of just really wonderful reflection in between two kingdoms. Um, and then for the lighthearted side, I heard, I've heard so many good things about Get a Life Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. I've mm. not read that one myself yet, but Talia Hibbert does a great job with diverse and disabled characters. So put that on your list. Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, one of the main characters, um, is disabled, uses a cane, and we learn the story of that um, over the course of the book. I just finally got on the Bardugo train like last month and read mm-hmm. Six of Crows. I'm like, you know, I love a heist story. It's great. You do. Um, and then also for something lighthearted but not dumb, 
Samantha Irby is great. Hilarious essay collections. She writes about disability in some of them. Uh, And then my favorite lighthearted pick of the year, more lighthearted, I guess, but not like super light, is Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Um, I'm going with um, The Pretty One by Kay Brown. This came out, gosh, when did this come out? I was just trying to scroll and find, I guess, wow, four years now. Uh, feels like it was newer than that. She's a journalist, and this is her memoir. It also, my memory feels like it's kind of like an essayist form where there's some divergent um, into pop culture, but she's been living with cerebral palsy and is interested in reframing narratives around people with disabilities, how they're represented, who gets to tell their stories, who gets to have opinions. Um, and it was eye-opening and conversational and a certain conversationalness of dealing with difficult subjects, but without it being about trauma mm. or loss necessarily, which I think is part of what's gone on of late in disability discussion is it's not um, living minus, not living without something. Um, it's living with something. And that something is manifold and can be. In terms of light reading, um, it's hard to recommend and just was pulling something out of a hat. Parnassus on Wheels by Christopher oh. Morley. This is Morley. This is a hundred-year-old book pick. about a guy who basically starts a bookmobile, but it's a wagon because there aren't cars <laughs> yet, and he decides to be a book, an itinerant bookseller, and why he does it, and how he gets ready, and the characters um, you can find. It's in the public domain, I think, at this point, so you can find it on ebook or your library pretty readily. But um, that's one where it's about liking books, but it also feels like before into the pandry. Let's open the Little Paris Bookshop yeah, and Despise. Yeah. That book would sell, by the way. There's probably three of them out there. Um, but it's kind of one of these urtexts of a, you know, cozy book about liking mm-hmm. books. Um, it's been around for a while. It's and a good I one. I was looking for a place to, to talk about it. So that's a general yeah. recommendation, but a good one here for that's you, a good pick. Janet. I think we have to stop here. I think we do too. We're we can, out of time, unfortunately. Maybe we can pick up. Maybe we'll we'll mop some up here as a part of a different show. But uh, it's getting late in the day. We're running mm-hmm. into hour two. Um, thank you all so much for writing in your recommendations and listening along with us. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. I hope all of our picks are well received, and I hope you take all the credit for yes. them. Yes. Um, and you do not have to say you got them from somewhere else. Uh, it's you. You you did the work of asking. So you get the credit for picking. As always, you can find show notes, bookride.com slash listen. The books will be listed there in the order in which we talked about them, but there will not be the prompts. Um, and you can shoot us an email, podcast at bookride.com. Check out the Patreon, Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. And we're going to have our best books of the year still to go, our best of the rest. It's clean up the year and look ahead time, Rebecca. Um, the next time we are podcasting together, you will have been changed. I will. Because you're going to see, um, you're, you're, you have friends in low places, but you're going to travel to see them. I won't be uh, after going down until the sun comes up. <laughs> no, no, no. I hope you have a wonderful time. Thank you. And that he sings directly to you. You know he will. That his, uh, his head mic stays firmly <laughs> in place and that he's wearing a black hat. Um, and that all the encores are And if you never hear from me again, it will be because Trisha Yearwood also appeared on stage and my soul immediately left my body. <laughs> so. so are you going to go to the Bass Pro Shops there to get the new, will the new Garth Brooks oh CDs my God. be available? Or? Is there a Bass Pro Shop in Vegas and can I make that an outing? <laughs> 
Why isn't there a Bass Pro Shops casino? <laughs> That's a great question. I feel like they're pro- there's that question. giant Bass Pro Shop in Memphis that is in the shape of a pyramid. It looks like the Luxor Casino. So yeah, maybe maybe that's stuff. a side trip for me after I have my pillars of the Garth moment. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to you. Have a wonderful time. Everyone else out there, happy holidays. I hope you get to do exactly what you yes. want to do with the people you would like to do them with. Yeah.